Welcome back to another Crypto Daily 3 at 3. What's going on, guys? It is Friday, October 18th. We're just flying through this month, uh, and we are back with another 3 at 3. So yesterday, for those of you guys who were here, I know it was a little bit more of like a uh, video op-ed, you could say, right? Um, we talked a lot about this question of Bitcoin and whether it can be institutionalized without losing its censorship-resistant roots. Uh, basically, it was us digging into a conversation. Today is back to more news. So uh, if you're if you're interested in the news, we got you. So today we're going to talk about first um, Poloniex leaving Circle, being spun out from Circle and actually leaving the U.S. entirely. Second, we're going to talk about Binance just continuing to tear up the world uh, and introducing a, this new um, leverage trading product. And three, we're going to talk about a new report from the Bank of International settlements, uh, better known as Big Boss Bowser in the world of money, um, about Bitcoin and more particularly stable coins like Libra. Uh, so let's start with CirclePay. So uh, classic Friday news dump. We saw one last week. This one was a little less dramatic than, than last week's everyone leaving Libra, but still kind of a big deal. Um, the block here says breaking CirclePay is spinning out of uh, spinning out Poloniex, which it purchased for 400 million last year. The new entity will invest 100 million to expand Poloniex, which will no longer serve U.S. customers. Uh, so both Circle and um, and Poloniex wrote about this. Uh, Circle said today we're announcing that Poloniex will be spinning out their Circle portfolio of businesses into a new independent international company with backing from an Asian investment group that plans to spend $100 million for development and expansion. The move provides the Poloniex team with significant new resources and freedom to deliver the product features and marketing strategies needed to be competitive in the global exchange marketplace. Circle remains focused on growing its core crypto financial businesses, including its USDC stablecoin service, crypto brokerage and trading products, and its online fundraising and investment platform Seed Invest. With the spin-out circle, we'll be winding down operations for US Poloniex customers. Uh, Polo, for its part, said had a similar thread, which basically said the same thing, but they hammered a little bit harder on this US customer thing. So their second tweet in this thread says, Unfortunately, in order to innovate for global customers, U.S. customers will not be included in the spin-out. U.S. customers will no longer be able to trade starting November 1st, and they will have it until at least December 15th to withdraw their assets. Um, so uh, mostly right now, people are still just uh, adapting to the news. So Hasu here says, look like Circle has uh, sold Poloniex. The new owners want to invest in global expansion and have closed the exchange for U.S. customers going forward. Um, I asked people what their hot takes were. And uh, Dan McArdle from, uh, from Masari actually wrote this. He, he shared something that he wrote uh, a few months ago where he says, Land of the free, home of opportunity, not when you try and sign up for global crypto exchanges. U.S. is in company with North Korea, Cuba, Iran, Syria, and Sudan. So these are exchanges that have been um, blocked or where that are basically or areas that are geo-blocked by exchanges. Uh, so there's, there's a couple different takes on this. One is the um the kind of frustrated take that has to do with the us and its policies with regard to crypto innovation uh this in some ways feels like another example of companies who uh are either unclear about the regulations or just think that those regulations don't allow for the type of innovation that befits this industry who are basically 
cutting out U.S. customers from that. Um, that is one distinct perspective. I think that it's uh, it's notable that we continue to see organizations choosing to move away from the U.S. despite it being such a big market in so many ways. Um, that's one take. A second take is just that this is a an exchange that's never or that hasn't in the last couple of years at least really been able to capture the same sort of market share or mind share that exchanges like Binance and Bitmax and others have. Uh, that it's kind of uh, an also ran in some ways, even though there's a lot of folks who you know. Used Polyniex a lot in 2016, 2017. Um, it really has been outcompeted in some ways, and I think one of the things that's hard when we're in this industry, when we're especially um, when we're trying to uh, kind of when we when we look through the world through the narrative lens, let's say, uh, it's very tempting to see each different piece of uh, new information or new business decision that a company makes as uh, supporting a narrative, right? So if we're interested in the narrative of of U.S. regulatory uh, clarity or burden pushing companies out. This seems like another great example. Um, by the same token, there are oftentimes when things are just about uh, performance in a market, right? And a company being outperformed in a market and not being able to stick around. And certainly when you look at the fact that Binance uh, has on the one hand had to deal with some of those regulations, but at the same time is opening Binance U.S., um, you could say that. You could make that argument. Uh, so, you know, hard to say exactly. I still think it's notable that you have more um, prominent companies who are uh, leaving the U.S. for greener pastures elsewhere. Um, and even if you think that this decision is mostly about Poloniex just not quite getting there and not having won uh, the exchange wars, I think it's still worth noting. Um, I think most savage take on this goes to Moon Overlord, who says Poloniex ran out of coins to delist, so they just delisted the entire exchange. Um, all right, let's go into number Number two, we are with number two still on exchanges, actually. Uh, so speaking of Binance, uh, a couple days ago or yesterday, I guess, the news broke or someone someone figured out that Binance had made a um, billion dollars in cumulative profit in less than three years. The way that people can figure this out is you work backwards from how much BNB uh, Binance has burned. There's a specific ratio. So you can kind of always know uh, if X amount of BNB is burned. Um, you know, that that represents X amount of profits. Uh, and, you know, there's actually a really cool thing coming out, um, which hasn't been announced yet. But uh, basically, um, I'm working with or I, I did a, a very cool podcast uh, with a great company about the history of exchanges that will be dropping either next week or the week after. Um, and uh, and this this BNB burn uh, idea was something that Binance innovated that was obviously been hugely influential in the field. So um, one, you just have this reminder. Over the last couple of days, of Binance's just incredible uh, performance and execution in the market, right? Um, so Pomp said that, and then Tushar Jain from uh, Multicoin Capital says Binance has burned over 200 million of BNB start uh, since starting in quarter three, 2017. Um, and then he goes on to compare it very unfavorably to Ripple. Over the same period, Ripple has dumped over a billion of XRP on retail investors. I doubt this market irrationality will last much longer. Much longer. Uh, I think BNB will flip an XRP within the next 18 months. Um, so, okay, so starting point is uh, Binance just continuing to crush. But part of the reason that Binance keeps crushing is that they don't sit on their haunches, right? They don't rest on their laurels and wait to see what happens next. And uh, over the last few, um, over the last year, really, over the bear market in 2018, there was a, a really interesting shift where you saw the center of gravity of exchanges, which was so distinctly Binance at the end of 2017 and the beginning of 2018, uh, with the long tail of altcoin assets and things that were pumping 100% 100, 100 in a single day. Uh, 
there was a shift. And as the market got colder and colder and colder, there was more and more energy and attention around BitMEX, which is allowing people to play with uh, with derivatives, right? And play with um, just, you know, uh, betting against the markets in a, in a much purer way in some ways, not just wholly hoping for an asset to pump, but uh, but trying to guess which way Bitcoin was going to move. Um, and uh, that, that interest, that focus on derivatives has continued even as the market has gotten better in 2019, right? BitMEX continues to crush and there's more and more companies who are introducing those types of derivative products. Um, so Moon Overlord again, he's really crushing the the three at three today. He says, crypto 2017, can barely sleep, check your portfolio every five minutes, coins up 100% every single day. Crypto 2019, catch the one 10% bump pump on Binance per year on 125x leverage to feed your family. So uh, what happened? Binance has, uh, they announced, they, they only started their futures product just very recently. Um, and, uh, and a lot of people out there, myself included, are very excited to see the CZ uh, versus Arthur Hayes kind of competitive battle. I can't imagine a world in which consumers don't uh, win for the, for the uh, creativity and innovation that brings, right? Um, but they have, Binance has now raised leverage to 125X. Uh, BitMEX classically has, was, came out of nowhere to have 100X leverage, whereas when other people were only having, uh, allowing people to trade with three or maybe 5X leverage. Um, so Binance is allowing people to, uh, play with 125X leverage. And so what were the takes on this? I would say that almost universally, the take was, holy shit, be careful, right? So Carter Thomas here says, trading Bitcoin with 125X leverage is an excellent way to lose all your money. We have Nebraska Gooner who says, the lower Bitcoin drops, the more risk there is involved with leverage trading. Smaller moves are higher percentages. So please don't use 125X leverage on Binance. They have plenty of money without your donations. Uh, we have uh, BCC Ponzi, Madoff wasn't on the blockchain, says, just to show how ridiculous trading with 125X leverage is, it means you can open up a $1 million position with one Bitcoin of capital that gets liquidated by a $50 move in the opposite direction. No one in their right mind should be trading this. Um, even CZ himself says use higher leverage with extreme caution. Don't recommend it for new traders. And then he goes on and says this, not every feature is for everyone. Some features, while not liked by everyone, are in high demand only for small selected groups. Please don't use features you don't like or need. As a platform, we have to provide choices to stay competitive. Um, so, you know, I, I'm on the side of CZ, I guess, from the standpoint of uh, market demands create opportunities for products and companies that are smart are going to fill them. Uh, I think I'm also on the side of everyone else who's uh, things that this is an extraordinarily high risk product. Uh, it's not something I'll be using, but as I've told you guys a million times before, I'm not a trader. It's not um, not my DNA and, uh, and, and not really where I want to be. But um, I think that it does indicate there, there is something more here than just, hey, Binance has a new product and hey, it's crazy. I think that it does show, um, I think we're going to see more attention, a continued growth in the attention on derivatives products around a smaller handful of core assets, as opposed to to just another alt season where there's um, going to be a million new assets to come up. It's not to say that there won't be uh, times in the future where there's lots and lots of interesting new types of tokens, right? Like NFTs are still bubbling uh, and we still have barely scratched the surface on what tokenized networks can do. But I do think that in the immediate term, you're going to see a lot more of, uh, of this sort of derivatives products around um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and just a very small handful of assets. Uh, but with that, let's move to the final uh, topic of today. 
So the Bank of International Settlements is like the central bank of central banks. It's like the big boss Bowser, I said at the beginning of uh, of the existing fiat money system. Um, so it's always kind of uh, quirky, let's say, to people when um, they come out and comment on uh, on on Bitcoin or on um, cryptocurrency more broadly. Uh, it, you know, it always engenders someone who posts it's you know, it's like asking, um, you know, the horse and buggy manufacturers what they think about cars. Um, but it is a highly influential organization. It's still uh, extremely central to the existing power structure of money in central banks. And so it's worth noting what they're talking about. And they have just released a paper called Investigating the Impact of Global Stablecoins. Um, and uh, and Coindesk sums it up here. So they the way that they summed up it up, the headline says, Bitcoin has failed, but global stablecoins a threat. Um, so let's read the, the quote about uh, Bitcoin. So meanwhile, quote, first generation cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin have suffered uh, from highly volatile prices, limits to scalability, complicated user interfaces and issues in governance and regulation, among other challenges. Thus, crypto assets have served more as a highly speculative asset class for certain investors and those engaged in illicit activities rather than as a means to make payments. This, if you'll remember, was basically almost exactly what uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said when he was testifying before the Senate um, about uh, many other things, but he was asked about Libra, he was asked about Bitcoin, he's, he was asked if he could ever see Bitcoin as a as another money, and he that's when he called it digital, digital gold, um, which a lot of people took note of. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the idea that it's, uh, it's dead or has failed, I think is what, uh, there's a lot of contention there. But the large and the short, the long and the short of it is that in the context of this report, what they were really looking at uh, was stable coins. Um, and, uh, and, and it is not particularly, uh, well, it's, it's, excited about the potential of the technology, but very skeptical of implementations like Libra, right? Um, and I think this is uh, this is kind of the nut of it. So uh, you have, um, you know, this is basically the next episode in the continued saga of what Libra has created. So earlier in the week, uh, we had Bruno Lemaire, who's a, a strong opponent of private cryptocurrencies. Uh, he's been a strong opponent of Libra. He wrote an op-ed in the Financial Times, uh, basically attacking Facebook's political ambitions with Libra, saying that it really shouldn't be allowed. He's the one who's gone on on record to kind of vow that he'll prevent it from coming to France. Um, I pulled out a quote uh, that uh, I think really gets at uh, one of the most interesting parts of it. So my my tweet says that feeling when you win the battle to convince everyone that China's leadership in digital currencies is a massive threat, but you aren't allowed to go fight that war. Um, this is the from that. This is a Bruno Le Maire writing in foreign uh, in the Financial Times, uh, and the the op-ed was titled "Facebook's Libra is a threat to national sovereignty." And so the interesting point that I'm trying to make here is that you know David Marcus and Libra in general have been really using the specter of Chinese digital currency uh, and Chinese dominance of global digital currency as the reason that they should be allowed to build this. Um, what governments seem to be saying in mass is, "You're right, but let's not have you build it. Let's have us build it." Uh, so here's what Bruno Le Maire says, he says, that is why I have invited my European partners and G7 members to consider two ways forward. First, we should develop innovative national and cross-border payment methods, which are faster and less expensive. We expect banks and payment providers to deliver quickly. Second, we should consider the creation of central banks' own digital currencies in the medium to long term. We cannot let China be the only player in this field. Our independence is at stake. France's position is clear. We want financial innovation to respect the sovereignty of states. Neither political nor monetary sovereignty can be shared with private interests. So, 
I mean, you can't get any clearer than this. Uh, the introduction of Libra has made the point to governments around the world that cryptocurrencies are a private alternative to uh, one of the most important powers of the state, which is printing money. Uh, and they are not willing to cede that. Um, now, the other thing that Libra has done, though, is it's created a real fire for them to create their own uh, central bank digital currencies. Um, you know, so this is an ongoing saga. I don't necessarily have anything new or particularly insightful to add here. Uh, other other than this continues to be the biggest um, you know, force for shaping the conversation uh, about the future of money around the world. And I, I liked Meltem's take on this. So she says, yes, uh, Bank of International Sediments, Bitcoin has failed. Please spend all of your time regulating stable coins. We'll see you in 10 years. Um, and, and the point here is that one of the more amazing things to watch is Bitcoin continue to not just not fly under the radar per se, but to be seen as this safe other thing that's really just a digital asset. It's really just a thing for gold bugs in a new digital era. And uh, while we're going to focus, we being governments around the world, on what the real threat is, which is Mark Zuckerberg, Libra, and its 2 billion potential users. Um, I think that's a good thing for Bitcoin. I think that the heat that would be faced by every on-ramp, every institution, every custody company, every every private, traditional, centralized regulated company that helps people interact with uh, Bitcoin in any significant way, um, that's who would be uh, on the chopping block if it weren't for this focus on stable coins. So uh, fascinating times, uh, continues to be interesting. Um, a little bit terrified to end this now. Last Yesterday on, or last week on Friday, there was like 100 announcements at 5 p.m. So who knows, maybe I'll be back in an hour. Uh, but for now, guys, appreciate you watching, appreciate you listening. Uh, do me a favor, if you like this, the number one thing you can do for me if you're listening to this is give it a, a five-star rating on uh, on iTunes or wherever you're listening to it. Um, those are basically how the the, the algos know to, to pump it. Um, so anyways, guys, uh, thanks for, for hanging out, and I will see you on Sunday for Long Read Sunday. Check it. Bye.